expressed on Wrestling Windown are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any other agency, organization, employer, or company. What's up, guys? It's Lo, and you are tuned in to Wrestling Windown, a female-founded and hosted podcast dedicated to professional wrestling and our favorite adult beverage. We're back with another special edition of Chardonnay and Cheesemay featuring Iridian Fierro of the Rest Friends podcast. We'll be spilling the wine on Iridian's experience at AEW's All Out, as well as my experience at the Bottle Rock Festival, a three-day wine festival right in Napa County. And of course, we're bringing you the latest wrestling Cheesemay, including the rumored plan for Adam Cole if he were to have stayed in the WWE, the latest on Kevin Owens, his expiring contract, and that mysterious Mount Rushmore tweet. We're also getting into Mick Foley's recently released WWE We've Got a Problem video and our thoughts on if we agree or disagree with the points made. And finally, a special announcement about the future episodes of Chardonnay and Cheese May. So grab your glass of wine. We're going in for the three count. We are back with another episode of Chardonnay and Cheesme, and I have Iridia Fierro of the Rest Friends podcast here. It's been a busy two weeks, hasn't it? It really has. There's been so much going on in the wrestling world. I mean, more than usual, right? Mm-hmm. So you attended AEW All Out Weekend right there in Chicago. How was it? Oh, my God. It was fantastic. I think it was probably one of the best wrestling shows I've ever been in, like in attendance. One of my favorites, I still want to watch it back, like the pay-per-view to see if I can find myself jumping up and down, screaming in one of those shots, but it was really great. I got to see CM Punk in ring for the first time ever wrestle. I feel like it was just, I was in a dream, literally all week that they were here. And it was just such a great show though. Like you have to come for next year. You really do. I'm banking on the fact that maybe you will show up. Maybe you will debut at AEW too. Yes, I will be all elite next year. Thank you. <laughs> I don't want to give like too much away, but like I can't talk about your contract like that, you know? How did you feel seeing Adam Cole and <laughs> Daniel Bryan appear in AEW? I think a lot of people expected us to get either one or the other, mm-hmm. especially with the talk that was online. It seemed like everyone was gravitating towards now Bryan Danielson, but having Adam Cole involved too is not a bad thing. So what were your thoughts on seeing both of them now as AEW wrestlers? Yeah, that's crazy. I kind of had a feeling that, you know, like you said, maybe we would get one and not the other. With Adam Cole, he came out right after the main event, which was Kenny Omega versus Christian for the championship. And Kenny won and he was in the ring talking about like, oh, there's nobody that can beat me. You know, I'm the greatest. And you hear the intro of a song that's, you know, it's all about the boom. And Adam Cole's name pops up. I lost my mind, Low. I was like, oh my God. God, we're getting Adam Cole. I can't believe it. And in my head, I'm like, he's going to go against Kenny. There's no way they're best friends. And he kicked Jungle Boy in the head. And then he's like, I'm joining Kenny. You know, Kenny's my best friend. I'm here forever for him. And he gets double kissed by the Young Bucks. And I was like, dang, this group is going to be so crazy. But it didn't end there. We got Daniel Bryan, which the crowd had already lost their mind for Adam Cole. So I don't think that they were really expecting someone else to come out from WWE. And it was within a span of like a minute, a minute and a half, maybe that they came out and the crowd was just insane. I know 
people were saying that you can feel if you were like in the 200s and the 100s, you could feel the floor shake because of how much like the floor was moving and people were cheering. I'm so excited to see them together at AEW. I remember in WWE, they had a match like during Survivor Series week, maybe like a year or two ago for the NXT championship. Adam Cole came from NXT to SmackDown to fight Daniel and DX was ringside. You had Triple H and Shawn Michaels just watching Adam Cole, like cheering him on. And it was one of the best matches I'd seen on SmackDown in a while. So I can only imagine the kind of show that they're going to put up on AEW. I'm, I'm just glad that they're happy because Daniel came out at the end and said that he was happy in WWE, that he liked what he was doing and he was happy in his job, but he still went to AEW, which I think says a lot. Absolutely. And Adam Cole had some of the same sentiments. He said that he enjoyed his time in the WWE, but, you know, he wanted to move forward. And it's interesting. We'll talk about it in a little bit where people think Adam Cole would have ended up if he was still in the WWE, but we will get to that. While you were living the life of a wrestling fan, I was living the life mm -hmm. at the Bottle Rock Festival in Napa Valley. So Bottle Rock is a festival that happens in, you know, wine country, and it's three days long. It has a very diverse lineup. There was Megan Thee Stallion, g Easy, Mod Sun, Jack Harlow, Jesse Reyes, Run the Jewels, so many others. And it's a very diverse festival. I was telling my friend that I went with, you have young to old at the festival. It was just such a diverse age group there. Obviously, you had to be 21 to drink. So you got your wristbands at the door. They either asked you to be fully vaccinated, which they checked your card or a picture of your card. Or if you were not vaccinated, you would need a negative test within three days, which seems like it is the protocol of what festivals and probably wrestling shows will be doing in the near future. It was a great time. One of the highlights of the weekend was I was at the Bonita Bonita tent, which Bonita Bonita is the wine brand that the Bella Twins own. And my friend and I were sitting there just relaxing. It was very hot out. It was probably around like two, three o'clock. And we're sitting there. I didn't expect to see the Bella Twins in their tent because they've been on Instagram at the different sets and stuff. And all of a sudden I look up and there's Brie Bella. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> And I look at my friend and I said, oh my God, that's them. And she goes, okay. And okay. I, was like, I was like, no, that's the Bella twins. They're right there. Yeah. And she was like, well, she was like, if you want to get a picture, it's now or never. So I hop my ass up and I go take a picture with them. Brie Bella liked my shirt, which I guess a lot of people did. It's from Foot Locker. It's the Kazim Wale collection. They released a, about five or six WWE legends. I had on the Million Dollar Man shirt. Brie Bella liked it. That made my day. When I met them, like, you know how when you meet people that are famous and you, you kind of are like, okay, I'm going to go in. They're normal people, like whatever. And that was me. When I hopped my ass up, I was like, okay, they're here. Like, I'm a little bit excited, you know, but I was like, I'll, you know, conduct a conversation with them, whatever, girl, I froze like an ice cube. Okay. I said a couple things. Like I told them, thank you for taking the picture with me. It was nice to meet them, but girl, I forgot everything else that I ever knew. Girl, did, picture, time, though. did time slow down for you? Were you like in a, in a moment when you saw them? You know what? It was weird because like I said, I saw Brie first. I didn't see Nikki. So I was like, Oh, yeah. maybe it's just Brie. Like I'll take a picture with just Brie. And then I saw Nikki and I was like, okay, let's get up. Let's go. Let's take a picture. <laughs> It's now or never. We have to do it. They were very nice. They were there. They have a new wine. They're Sauve Blanc uh, of their, of their uh, Bonita Bonita collection. And they actually sprinkled real edible flowers into the wine that Sunday. And Nikki was on her story 
posting her picking the flowers with the gentleman that also owns the wine brand with them. But wine is great. They're still selling it online. It's a white wine. I know a lot of people don't like white wine, but they do have red wine as well. Um, but I thought it was an overall good festival. I mean, a lot of great performers. There was good food. I will say like there was probably a handful of people wearing masks, myself included, because, you know, once you prove that you're fully vaccinated or you're you have a negative test result, you don't have to wear a mask and it's outside. But you are in close confines with people if you're in the crowd or, you know, you're in a food line. So you definitely still have to have common sense when you go to these type of things, washing your hands, using sanitizer, you know, just being a clean individual and looking out for yourself, but you come within others. But other than that, you know, I thought it was a good time. And speaking of wine, I saw that Carmela just dropped her new rosé for Capo Cana. And I just want to know why I need to buy three bottles. I want to just try one first. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I, can't we do one first? Yeah. I, just want, I would like a sample size. Mm-hmm. Send me a little shooter. I'll try the shooter girl. Like, I just want to try it. But She just redesigned her bottle. It's very beautiful. I think it looks much better than the last one. Someone asked her why she changed it. She says she wants it to be a little bit more feminine, which I think it definitely is. But congrats to her. I mean, she's doing the thing. She said numerous times that it is literally only her running that thing. Like she does social media. She works with the wine company to produce the wine, but she is the driving force behind it. And It's a lot of work to do something like that. So kudos to her. Hopefully she sells a lot of wine. You know what? I just might put up $65 and go buy three bottles of wine. We'll see. You know what? $65 is not bad for three bottles, but if you only need one, like, I I get it. just want to try it. I get it. I just want to try it. Let's get into the cheese, May. We spoke about it a little bit earlier. Adam Cole has left the WWE. He's in AEW now, but it was reported this week why... Adam Cole might have left the WWE. According to Dave Meltzer, WWE wanted to book Adam Cole, a former NXT champion, one-fourth of the Undisputed Eras at one time, as Keith Lee's manager. And they would have a similar dynamic to the 2018 Leo Rush-Bobby Lashley partnership, which you'll remember Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush. Leo Rush was basically his mouthpiece. Like, he was loud. He was arrogant. He was just all over the place. He was Bobby Lashley's hype man, right? So, So I guess, according to Dave Meltzer, WWE wanted this same type of dynamic with a heel, Keith Lee and Adam Cole. What are your thoughts? I I have thoughts, but what are your thoughts? I think that would have just been a complete waste, complete waste, just because I know Adam can be a great heel, but to just reduce his talents to just a manager, just like, uh, you know, like Paul Heyman and Paul Heyman right now, great job, right? But we know that Adam Cole could go. He's been a champion. He's so great. You know, NXT, you think of that name and you think of Adam Cole Mm -hmm. um, as definitely one of the people who definitely built that brand up. But this was just not it. I don't know why they thought this was going to be a good idea. Instead of having him be a completely amazing champion on the main roster, you were just going to give him a mic and be like, hey, here you go. I don't know what they thought the end goal for this was going to be. Maybe like, oh, eventually he would have turned on Keith Lee and then they would have had matches. But I feel like that would have just taken too long. 
I agree with that. And Meltzer also said that he heard it might have been Bruce Prickert's idea or Vince McMahon himself, which who knows? I mean, we know how much contemplation went into, you know, Adam Cole supposedly leaving the company, you know, staying with the company. It was all over the timeline for like a week and a half. Everyone was trying to figure out when his contract expired, if he would stay with the WWE, if he would go somewhere else, etc. It's interesting, though, the last big thing that Adam Cole did with WWE was a Facebook Live for a Mattel release with Johnny Gargano. So that was his farewell to WWE was a an hour long live stream, which it seems crazy to me. But, you know, Adam Cole was having a good time during that live stream. He was cracking jokes, him and Johnny Gargano. So he probably went out on his terms. He probably said, look, I wrestled with Kyle O'Reilly in this last match. I want to do something fun for the last thing that I do with this company. So kudos to him there. But I agree with you. I don't know what was going through the person's mind if they thought this was a good idea. I mean, Adam Cole was such a strong champion in NXT and bringing him up as a manager seems, it seems so random. Like it's definitely not on your 2021 bingo card. And having him involved with Keith Lee is even weirder because we know that they had a storied feud in NXT, a long feud at that. And it just seems weird. Like it seems weird to turn Keith Lee heel, which is a whole nother story because I think Keith Lee has definitely not been utilized at this point to where he should be. He's had health issues. So it's understandable like where he is right now. But since he's been back since then, it has not made any sense to me. The whole carrying cross thing, him changing his music, a hot ass mess. Okay. (laughs) But having him paired with Adam Cole and having Adam Cole as his mouthpiece, it's like you're wasting good talent. You know, you have this guy that has been champion at NXT. He's such a strong character. When I think of NXT over the last two years, I think of Adam Cole. I think of the Undisputed Era. And to bring him up as a manager is just like, it's almost a slap in the face. Mm -hmm. Who knows? They might have still had him wrestle to some capacity and be a manager. But what they're pitching or what they're saying online is that all they wanted him to be was like a mouthpiece. If that's what they pitched him, shit, I would have packed my shit that day and left. Exactly. I would have left too. And it just goes to show you like the difference in between like where he's at now, AEW, like he's already come out, cut a lot of promos. He's already in their YouTube videos. He's maybe possibly going to have a feud with Daniel Bryan. So if he wanted to wrestle, he did. A, he made a good choice because he wasn't going to wrestle in WWE for a little bit if he was going to be Keith Lee's manager because they would have still had to kind of reintroduce his character to the main roster because I feel like a lot of people, maybe they're just the casual fan, they weren't watching NXT. They were just doing Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. So you would have kind of introduced Adam Cole as like a new person kind of. So, you know, good for Adam. I think he made the right choice if he wanted to continue wrestling. And just a side note, in this episode, we are talking a lot about these WWE talents that are going to AEW or legends making comments on AEW, getting these bright new talents on their roster and stuff like that. And I will tell you straight up, I don't watch AEW on a weekly basis. And I know AEW has issues. I know WWE has issues. So I'm not saying one is better than the other. We're both not saying one is better than the other we could go on a whole tangent about how AEW does not use their women's division. They don't spotlight their... Exactly. Exactly. Like they don't spotlight people of color on their roster and WWE is not that far off. So I think both companies have a lot of 
wrong with them. And before we go any further, I think it needs to be, you know, laid down like, look, we're not choosing WWE. We're not choosing AEW. We're coming at you with the stuff that's going on and sharing our opinions on it. But at the end of the day, they both need to do a lot of work because they're not where they should be as professional wrestling companies. So that is where we will leave that at. Moving forward, Mick Foley, a WWE legend, released a video earlier this week entitled WWE, We've Got a Problem. Foley references the fumbling of Karrion Cross's character and how WWE is not where talent aspire to be anymore because of AEW and how WWE seems to treat talent. So I watched the video, it was about a minute, 30 seconds long, and he cuts straight to the point. He thinks that WWE is not the premier place that these talent want to go anymore because these talents see how these other superstars are being treated. And he brings up Karrion Cross. I don't know if Karrion Cross is the best example to use. I will say that. I think Karrion Cross was a good champion in NXT. I think they pushed him to the moon in about 3.5 seconds, which really made no sense to me. Now they've furthered Karrion Cross by moving up to the main roster. They've taken Scarlett Bardot away as his manager, and now he's wearing some type of like, I don't even know what gear you would call it. it it's it's very strange. It's giving like demolition type vibes. Like, I don't even know what the hell is going on. He looks unhappy in the gear. Like, he kind of looks like a, a gladiator. He's trying to be a gladiator, but like they got the gear from like Spirit Halloween and they say, you know what? Just run with it. Just do what you can with it. I don't know where Scarlet is. Her face needs to be on a milk carton. Where is Scarlet? Because at the end of the day, Scarlet made Karrion's character better in NXT. I think when he came in, if he would have just come in by himself, he would have been another big guy that Vince loves. He would have been good in the ring, but like, what is his character other than being a big guy? Yeah, I think Scarlett definitely added something, a little bit of mystery, a little bit of interest into his character because if he would have just came out on his own, whatever. But people talked about that entrance when Karrion first came out with Scarlett. It was something that was like dark and mysterious and it was trending on Twitter. People had no idea what was happening, but I think a big part of that was definitely Scarlett. When he came up to the main roster and there was no Scarlett, that was my question. Where is she? What did you do with her? What's happening? Why is she not here? Even if she wasn't wrestling, people were still interested in her character, which says a lot because maybe Karrion just needed a little bit more seasoning, you know, uh, before he got to the main roster. And now that he's on the main roster with this weird character that's like a Viking or like should be in like the movie 300. Like, I I don't know where I stand on Carrion right now. Like, it's just like, I don't really care. I feel like that's a bad thing. If you don't really care about somebody, like if they do good or bad, that's definitely not good. It's just sad though, to me, because you think about before he got signed, Killer Cross was one of the hottest free agents Mm. on the independent scene. And now it's like, yes, he's still talented in the ring. Don't get me wrong. But it's almost like he is with a bunch of other NXT superstars who have come up to the main roster and who are lost in the shuffle. Like they don't have a defined character it's like they're kind of figuring it out as they go and if the crowd likes it they like it if not then we'll keep switching his character every couple months like for example ricochet ricochet is great in the ring he flies around he's doing his thing but what is his character what has been his character since he came up from nxt i can't tell you like all i think about is okay he's a high flyer that's Mm -hmm. not enough like yeah that's not a personality and they really don't give a lot of chance for superstars to really build a personality you know we know that jeff hardy is 
amazing because we have like background reference, like in the back, you know, going years in the past because he's built himself up to be like a certain way and he doesn't talk on the mic now. So we wouldn't really know if we didn't have that reference to go back to with Ricochet. We don't have anything to look back to and be like, oh, well, this is kind of like his character. He hasn't built up a personality. We haven't seen him cut a lot of promos. We haven't got to see him have really any important moments in WWE. And that's why I feel like there's a lot of characters that are missing out that little extra of their character because they haven't had the chance to really show us a personality. You could be a high flyer. You could be just a grappler. You could just be focused on submissions. But if you don't really get that opportunity to build a personality, you miss that chance on making a connection with the fan. Andrew Zarian of Matt Men Pro Wrestling Podcast stated that people in WWE believe that legends like Foley should not disparage the company so publicly. So he says, let's talk about the Mick Foley video that I can tell you people are very unhappy with at WWE that he put that video out. I'm not going to say who told me this, but there is like an unwritten rule with these legends where you can't disparage the company in any way. And that was pretty disparaging. He was pretty blatant about saying, we're not doing good stuff here, guys. So that leads me to my next question of why is WWE missing the mark? Why has WWE become a place where talent does not want to go to? Is it because AEW offers these reduced schedules, which works better for performers with families or kids? Or does it have to do with AEW seeming to sincerely care about their talent? Which, if, for example, the Brody Lee situation, um, we know that, you know, his wife and his kids are still extremely close with the AEW executives because of how they handled the situation and many superstars that have jumped ship to AEW including Daniel Bryan including CM Punk have mentioned the reason why they signed to AEW is because of how they handled that situation do you think it's those two factors or do you think it's something else oh I definitely think that those two factors are huge because AEW in a way seems to have a little bit more respect and they do let the wrestlers have a little bit more input into what they want to do. And creatively, nowadays, that's what really counts. You know, when WWE rewrites their scripts 20 minutes before a show and, you know, cuts matches, that really discourages people and it discourages fans. Like, where do we go from here with AEW? You kind of feel like maybe it's just a little bit more respect and they're able to keep a secret better as opposed to like WWE where like things get leaked all the time. Wrestlers talk backstage. I feel like that could also just be a factor in why people jump ship. Yeah, I can agree with you on the creative aspect because we know of some superstars in WWE who they write their own promo. Kevin Owens is one that I can think of that he writes his own promos. And I think John Cena is one that does as well. But that's two superstars out of how many? You know, you have all these other superstars who have to stick to the script because that's what's expected of them. And they can't break out of character. Or they can't do things with their characters. And recently, it seems like WWE is letting the superstars a little bit be more creative with their characters in terms of like Bray Wyatt, who was recently released, and then Nikki Cross, who is now almost a superhero. These are two superstars that have went in with ideas that the company has liked and has let them almost take the lead on when it comes 
comes to figuring out their character, what they want to incorporate, etc. But then you think about people like Naomi who have tried stuff with their character and they just don't like it. Like the glow belt. You think about how they were so pissed off that she even, you know, went and got the belt glowed up before even letting them know, which I can kind of understand there. You know, there's some perimeters when you're messing with actual titles and stuff. But like me and you have said before, that would have been such a moneymaker and they were just kind of like, nope, we don't want it. Nope. And I've always thought for years, it is so interesting that you have to go to WWE and let them know when you're getting a tattoo or when you're changing your hair color. There really is no creative freedom. Like I understand, you know, they have like their Mattel deals and their action figure deals and stuff like that. They want their characters to be the same, but you know, there's other characters that can do whatever the hell they want and they get tattoos. They dye their hair. I think about Paige specifically. I know her hand tattoos have a curse word in it, but it was a huge thing when she went and got her tattoo. She was like, they told me I couldn't get in. Now I have to cover them. Like she told us all what was going on. So I can only imagine, you know, other superstars, like think about Randy Orton. Remember when he got that big ass sleeve done with all those skulls and stuff? Like I'm sure he had action figures in the works. So it's like, you y'all let him do that. But Paige, you did it. Yeah. Like- and, and then it becomes like uh, like a double standard. Like are the guys allowed to get just any tattoos they want? Because like Pete Dunn and Finn Balor just show up with tattoos, you know, every other week. And then my girls are over here struggling to get something like on their palm or something on their wrist. So I I, I don't know what exactly is their thought process behind a lot of these things. I really wish that you were just able to be backstage when some of these conversations happen, because I want to know. I want to know the cheese may. We talked about WWE being a place where talent does not want to work. Can the same thing be said for female talent as AEW continues to fumble when it comes to spotlight? both their female and their people of color talent. Do you think with AEW continually not showcasing their females enough, do you think it is a reason for a female competitor or maybe a person of color to be like, okay, well, you know, I'm not seeing people that look like me or people that I relate to on their television show. I don't want to go on that brand. Yeah, uh, I definitely think that the way that they're just handling the women is not where it should be because since the beginning of AEW's starting, they promised us we were going to have a lot of women, we're going to have a lot of diversity, and this is going to be great. And I was like, all right, cool. Still waiting for that, though. Like, when is that going to happen? We um, got to see Big Swole and Diamante, which was the dark match that was on, I want to say, like Monday or Tuesday. Um, uh-huh. we, got, we got to see it live because we recorded it. They recorded it before Rampage. So it was awesome. I was so glad that we got to see them do then. But then to find out oh, it was going to be a dark match. What's the point? No, put it on TV. I want to see them. If I'm just going to be, you know, tuning in each week and just see white men wrestle. What's the point? Like, I want to see Naomi on TV. I want to see Zelina. I want to see Big Swole, you know, give me that diversity on television. I don't want to watch it later on YouTube or have to just only interact with them on Twitter and social media because that's not being represented like you promised us one thing and you know even with the women's evolution what happened to it if we're going back to cutting matches it's just not where it's supposed to be and I feel like we complain on Twitter every week and they have to see it right I feel like someone in management has to know like oh these people are unhappy let's try to give our fans what they want and we are never given what we want the women are always set all the way to the back people of color are always just not regarded so I don't know what changes need to be made 
like backstage in order to get things done. It is interesting that you bring up AEW promising diversity and having more women involved because people were talking about Twitter this week. People were saying, you know, I would not be as pressed with AEW not showing the women or not showing people of color if they did not promise this when they first had their press conference. And I agree. It seems like an empty promise. If you're coming out here and you're being intentional and you're saying, look, we want to spotlight people of color. We want to show all of these different performers from all over the world on our roster and spotlight them on television. If you did not go out there and say that, Cody, then it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. We would have been like, well, okay, it's WWE Jr. They don't show a lot of diversity. We're just going to roll with it. But when you come out there and you you promise, you specifically promise that you're going to have diversity on your roster and you're going to showcase the women and you don't, that's a larger problem because now it looks like you made a promise and you can't follow through. Yeah. And it sucks because with with AEW, when they had their women's battle royale, uh, their Mm -hmm. casino battle royale, that's when a lot of people chose to go and take their bathroom breaks or their concession stand breaks. Like, guys, if we want to see the women, we should also stay in the stands when they perform, when we when they are given this little bit of a chance. And that's when Ruby Soho debuted. So when Ruby came out, everybody was so excited, but it was only a half capacity, I feel, because people got up and left to go do other things and then they came back so unfortunate but this is something I will always complain about give the women more time come on let's move on to another WWE superstar who might be leaving the company soon so as we said Adam Cole has jumped ship to AEW as well as Brian Danielson but according to Sean Ross Sapp Kevin Owens WWE contract It was originally scheduled to expire in 2023, will now expire in January. This whole thing about Kevin Owens' contract was not a big deal until Kevin Owens tweeted something the other day and people started assuming that he was out the door of WWE. So he took to social media on Tuesday and tweeted the coordinates to Mount Rushmore in South Dakota. So not long after, Owens changed his location in his Twitter bio to almost there, another reference to Mount Rushmore. And if you are not familiar, like I was not before this, you're probably like, well, what's the significance of Mount Rushmore? Mount Rushmore is the name of a faction Kevin Owens was in alongside Adam Cole and the Young Bucks between 2013 and 2014. Um, Owens ended up leaving the stable when he signed to WWE in 2014. Is Kevin Owens just using his little Twitter fingers or should we be alarmed that Kevin Owens is jumping ship to AEW when his contract ends in January? And he does have a 90 day clause, which we should know. So he would probably be in AEW by what, like April? Probably maybe like around WrestleMania time. I yeah. Would- I feel like this is definitely something to have WWE concerned. I would definitely be looking in my budget and seeing how much more I can pay Kevin Owens because he's definitely an asset. I feel like the company needs him as as many as superstars that are leaving. You would want to keep Kevin Owens, right? But if you're going to just have him do commentary every now and then, I'd be Kevin Owens looking like, mm-mm. Adam's over there already. The Young Bucks are over there already. All of my friends are in AEW and they're making money and people are cheering them on and they're wrestling. I'd be worried if I was WWE. I agree. I mean, Kevin Owens is such a staple to WWE and he's done great work, um, not only on, you know, Raw and SmackDown, but NXT as well. So 
it would definitely be a huge loss for them. I know he's not being utilized to the point he probably should be right now. It, it would be a huge loss. He has so much experience wrestling wise, even if he was not an in-ring competitor, I feel like he would be a great person to have backstage to mentor some of the younger talent that they're now bringing in for NXT, which is a whole different story of NXT being rebranded. Another conversation for another day, right? Yeah. You might've watched SmackDown on September 10th, which took place at Madison Square Garden in New York City, one of the bigger shows that WWE has done recently. There was a match on the card slated to showcase Carmella, Zelina Vega, and Liv Morgan, which was cut. Uh, Many fans online, I saw it myself, were extremely upset, uh, specifically for Zelina Vega, because her father died on September 11, 2001, and they felt that she deserved as her father on this large platform at Madison Square Garden. Um, We know that Zelina Vega recently returned to the WWE. She was released after um, she was involved in the third party partnership deals with like OnlyFans and Twitch. WWE had told their talent that they could not use those platforms anymore. And she stayed around for a little bit and then she left. It was reported that she was making way more money on OnlyFans and Twitch than she was in her WWE contract. And now she is back on the blue brand. Uh, We've seen her involved in matches with Carmella. We've seen her face off against former SmackDown Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. These women were not happy either. They did not just not say anything. Uh, Carmella and Liv Morgan tweeted dot, 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 while Zelina tweeted goodbye with three photos of her new ring gear attached. It also should be noted that this is the second week in a row that there was not a women's match on SmackDown. Iridium, what are your thoughts on this match being cut? I'm so sad. This takes me back to me watching Total Divas and seeing when Naomi's match got cut before WrestleMania. Yes. I think the Funkodactyls, I think it was them, right? Yes. And I was just so devastated because the girls were so visibly upset and for good reason, right? You're told that you're going to be performing at one of the biggest wrestling events in the world. And then that just gets taken away from you and you've done all this preparation and you don't get a say in and oh, well, can I still go on? That sucks. It completely sucks. And for someone, especially like Zelina, because she left so much, her husband is now on the opposing wrestling show. And one of the reasons that she said she resigned was because they were still in talks with Alistair about like him, you know, resigning with the company. So she was like, oh, well, if my husband's going to resign and if they're still going to like give him a chance, well, I guess we will both still be here together. And now she doesn't even have that. She's not with her partner. She's not wrestling. This is the second time a match gets cut. When will this stop? Like, I'm pissed. I'm at a loss for words. And you also have to think about too, her in-ring partner, Andrade, is at AEW too. So it's like, she doesn't even have that to fall back on. So I think it's, upsetting i've seen a lot of people online stating you know these women they were in makeup for all those hours they got their gear ready they were ready to go and then the match got cut like why couldn't they have at least done like a promo which that's what i would think why could they have not even done a promo with them or like you know something to have them involved especially zelina if you were not gonna have carmella or Liv morgan involved i can kind of overlook that for now but when it comes to zelina You always want to focus on how her father passed away in 9-11, but then you do something like this and it's like, okay, like y'all really just screwed her over. And I actually saw that she was on um, television 
before 9-11 as she was making comments about her father. They didn't have anything on there saying she was a WWE superstar or anything like that. So we don't have to think about it as like, oh, well, WWE had her go do this, you know, right? I just, I feel really bad for her. I wish they would have been able to spotlight her in some aspect. It is interesting though, because uh, I saw some people that attended the show said that the dark match was of raw women's superstars because it was the Madison Square Garden show. They brought all their superstars in, but you cut the women that are actually on that roster, right? Make it make sense. And we didn't even get anything from Naomi this week. Naomi's had like kind of an active storyline chasing around Sonya Deville. She wasn't on. It was only Bianca and Becky. And it was that little segment with them doing the contract signing, which great. We do have a women's segment on the show, but we had no women's match for the second week in a row. We've seen people hashtagging give the SmackDown women a chance. And I've seen people in favor of it. I've seen people upset with it. At the end of the day, like I said, in the middle of this episode, both of these companies need work. They need to do work when it comes to their women's division, because yes, SmackDown has been good when it comes to their women, but two weeks without a women's match is unacceptable in my opinion. And Raw is not the best to watch when it comes to the women's division because it's the Charlotte show. Mm-hmm. we need something else like where are, where are the tag team titles where are the nxt tag team titles like there's just so much going on that i feel like if planning was done properly and we really looked at and paid attention to how important the women's division is to fans we would put more of an emphasis on it we've been talking about the tag titles for however long like if you're not going to defend them on a you know a frequent basis just get rid of them because i i mean you think about it like who's actually the champs it's yeah. Italian Tamina, and they let them keep the belts while Natalia was injured for a month. Mm-hmm. Would that usually happen? No, they'd have them relinquish them, but they let her keep them, but they haven't defended them. You have Shotzi, you have Tegan, you just brought them up from NXT. Do something, anything. And Shotzi was a champion, a tag team champion in NXT, and they still added those belts. And so now you have minimal tag teams with two tag team titles for the women just on different brands it it doesn't make sense because there's not enough women and you can't just pair everyone in a tag team and expect everything to be okay speaking of superstars the dates are reportedly set for the wwe draft according to andrew zarian of Men pro wrestling i swear he knows everything the (laughs) wwe draft will take place on friday october 1st which will be a wwe smackdown Uh, episode and then monday october 4th a wwe raw episode it should be noted that wwe is yet to confirm that a 2021 draft will take place do we need a draft at this point do we think that there are superstars on these brands that need to be switched over to other brands to showcase their talent a little bit more what do you think i definitely think that we need a draft because i don't watch monday night raw i only watch smackdown because i feel like there is truly better talent on smackdown i can't just rely on Drew McIntyre to just, you know, carry Monday Night Raw on his back. You know, Roman is doing a great job on SmackDown. Jeff Hardy, great job on SmackDown. Rey Mysterio, Dominic, you got Becky, you got Bianca, Sasha. You have all of these names here. And on Raw, what do you have? I don't know because I don't know who's on Raw. Like I went to the show for Monday Night Raw when they came to Chicago a couple of weeks ago and it was okay. But I was like, man, Jeff Hardy's going to come out. Oh, wait, he's on SmackDown. Oh, wait, Sasha's going to come out. Oh, wait, he's on SmackDown. I just need a little bit of versatility here because I really think that they're slacking a little bit. You have all the good people on SmackDown. It's not fair to Monday Night Raw. Why do you think 
the change has shifted because you think when me and you first started watching Monday Night Raw was the premiere show. That was the show that they put the most emphasis in. You had all these big time players on there. I'm thinking back like late 2000s, early 2010s, like you had Randy Orton, you had Edge, you had John Cena, you had all of these bigger people on Raw. And then SmackDown was kind of seen as like, almost like the B-list show. And it's completely changed now. Do you think it has to do with SmackDown being on Fox, which is a bigger network than USA? Or do you think it's just kind of bad planning on WWE's part where they've put all their heavy hitters on SmackDown? I don't think, maybe, I don't think they did it intentionally, but somewhere along the WWE storylines for Monday Night Raw, I think they just kind of got lost, maybe being like, in the very first show of the week, they were trying a lot. And definitely the, th- the three-hour show, I feel, yes. definitely affected them. Because SmackDown, for me, just flows a little bit more smoothly. And you need a lot more work for a three-hour show. And I think that definitely is not working in their favor. Maybe if they go back to two hours after the draft. Yes, don't and- be greedy. Go back yes. to two. Go back to two. You were just fine. <laughs> I don't know, man. Well, as I mentioned, I think... Both of these companies have a lot of work to do. There's, you know, some good stuff going on and there's some stuff that just, it it has to get better, but we will see what happens. We will keep our wine full and we will just hope for the best. Before we wrap up this episode, we do have an announcement about Chardonnay and Chisme. So these episodes have been a little bit different than what we usually put out on Wrestling Wine Down. As you'll notice, we've been doing a lot of interviews lately and just picking the brains of people that are involved in wrestling, whether they are a wrestler or they're a ring announcer or a ring gear designer or graphic designer, et cetera. We've really just dived into getting to know these people. But girl, we still need some cheese made. We need to know what's going on. So Chardonnay and Cheese May will be a monthly episode on Wrestling Wind Down. So we'll incorporate it somewhere in there, but you can depend on having your girl talk, your brunch talk, whatever you want to do every month right here on Wrestling Wind Down with Iridian. Iridian will be here every month with me. Great, right? I'm so excited every month, girl. I'm ready for it. Where can the people keep up with you in the meantime? You can make sure you go on YouTube and subscribe to Rest Friends. We have a lot of vlogs, a lot of interviews, recaps, and reactions. And you can also listen to the Rest Friends podcast anywhere that you stream your favorite podcasts. And go ahead and buy our merch at What a Maneuver. And all of these links are on my Instagram and Teddy's Instagram at Iridian underscore Fiero. So there you go, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wrestling Wind Down. You can find all of our other episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at WWDCAST. Let us know what you thought about the episode. What was your favorite part? Until next time, enjoy your wine, and of course, enjoy your wrestling. Cheers! Cheers.